welcome again to the 1570 Project. This is a special bonus episode because I'm really excited to be joined today by Christina Pusha, who's the press secretary of Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Um, I invited her on to talk to me today because of a story that I think even though the Afghanistan story has taken over the entire news cycle, it's easy to forget there's other stuff going on. But uh, something happened to Christina this weekend that I think is actually really important. Um you know, domestically at home, as well as what's happening in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, I, I had been following kind of this story um, about Ron DeSantis that had been going on, um, because I follow Christina on Twitter. She's a great follow, by the way, you should definitely follow her. Um, But it was an interesting story, because the original story that um, had been published in the Associated Press, and that a number of outlets had picked up, it was that Ron DeSantis was um, pushing a life-saving drug to help people stay out of the hospital when they get COVID, which you would think would be a positive story, but um, not according to the Associated Press. So, Christina, if you don't mind, would you go ahead and explain a little bit, you know, what the story is and how they managed to get it so wrong, what was going on here? Sure thing. So to start with, I mean, this should not have been a political story at all, because as you mentioned, I mean, this is about saving people's lives. The drug is called Regeneron. It's the same um, drug that President Trump took when he was hospitalized for COVID last year. And he said he felt better within less than 48 hours, thanks to this treatment. The federal government then bought all of the treatment um, that was available from the supplier. So now it doesn't cost patients anything. I mean, you can go in Florida or in other states, um, if you have COVID or you have an exposure to COVID and you're in a high risk group, you can get it either to, um, to avoid hospitalization, it'll resolve your symptoms, or you can even get it to prevent COVID if you've had a high risk exposure. Mm. Um, so it's really a miracle. I mean, it's amazing because um, it is saving lives. Thousands of people have gotten it in Florida. Um, And it cuts down on the need for hospitalization because people's symptoms resolve really quickly and don't get too severe in order to require hospitalization. So anyway, this should not be controversial. Right. I think you said it's a it's a federal government program. The federal government is the ones who actually bought the drug so that it is available free of charge. So this is a case where the governor is cooperating with the federal government, correct? Exactly. exactly. HHS and DOD have the whole supply. They give it to states, Florida being one state that is part of this program. And the thing is, it's been available for months, but um, just recently, Governor DeSantis has started really focusing completely on promoting it because we found out from hospital CEOs that most of their patients who came in and had to be hospitalized for COVID complications had not taken it and they hadn't even heard about Regeneron. Right. We I have to say, I don't think I had heard of this until yeah. this whole story happened, to be honest yeah, with you, no, until they attacked Ron DeSantis for it. I hadn't really, you know, I wouldn't have known if I or somebody I knew tested positive for COVID, whether they were vaccinated or not. I mean, I personally have had the vaccine and I've been public about that for a long time that I'm a big believer in vaccines. But, um, you know, whether someone's taken the vaccine or not, I wouldn't necessarily have known, like if I or someone I knew tested positive for COVID to go out and say, oh, I want Regeneron. Like, I wouldn't have known to do that. Right. So that's why Governor DeSantis has been so adamant that, like, we need to raise awareness of it because 
early treatment saves lives. I mean, you need to get the treatment, like the earlier you get it after you test positive or have the exposure, the higher chance it has of keeping you out of the hospital um, and working well. So I guess the you brought up a good point about the vaccines. A lot of people in Florida have been vaccinated. It's actually above the national average in terms of vaccine rate, mm -hmm. particularly because we have a very high population of senior citizens. And Governor DeSantis really worked hard um, throughout the beginning of this year to prioritize seniors for um, for the vaccines when they were first rolling out. So anyway, you can but you can still get infected. I mean, there are people with breakthrough infections who were vaccinated. There are people who are unvaccinated who are getting infected, obviously, more so. But um, being vaccinated doesn't mean that you cannot get infected, as we see from real life data. That's not to say the vaccine doesn't work or you shouldn't get it. You should talk to your healthcare provider, see if it's right for you. It does usually work in most people to prevent serious illness. Not everyone can get it, though. There All right. And once you have COVID, getting the vaccine now doesn't help you, but this exactly, does. Exactly. So it's not mutually exclusive. The left, unfortunately, um, and the media, to some extent, um, has been kind of setting up this narrative as though it's mutually exclusive, whether if you're promoting Regeneron, that means you're not promoting vaccines or you're against it or something. That's totally false. Governor DeSantis wants Floridians to have access to both, and they do. Right. Um, and I've never heard Ron DeSantis say a bad thing about the vaccine. I don't know where this comes from. About it, and he's even said like he got it himself. He got the J and J. He's been very open about that. I don't know where this whole narrative comes from that he's against it. He's not. He's just against mandating it because he right. knows everyone's situation is different. Everyone has different beliefs. They need to be respected. You can't force people to get a medical treatment that they don't want or they can't get for whatever reason. That's a personal decision, but he made sure it's available to everyone who wants it, and he has promoted it and still does. So the thing is, though, as you said, you brought up a great point. If you are infected, the vaccine will not help. It takes a few weeks for the vaccine to kick in and provoke the immune response. As you know, I mean, you've gotten it and it'll work then. But if you're sick now, it won't cure you. Um, Regeneron really is proven and it's it's not experimental um it was when president trump took it it's not anymore it's been fda approved um and it it's approved because it was actually tested in clinical trials and 70 percent of people um were able to avoid hospitalization hmm. when they might have otherwise had to be hospitalized if they didn't take it so that's why you know that's why he's promoting it so much now because of in part ironically because of this controversy it did raise a lot of awareness right the drug which is at the end of the day that's what we want we want people to know what it is the sad thing though is that the ap framed it in a way that was really wrong misleading and controversial they tried to make it into a political story mm -hmm. and not about saving lives and informing their readers informing the public about this amazing drug that's freely available with free of charge to everyone in Florida who needs it. Um, and so what they said was that DeSantis is promoting a drug that his donor invests in. Very misleading. That was the headline. It went to all of our local TV stations all over Florida, which is sad because, you know, people watch the local news to get informed. They don't watch it for political hit pieces. They watch it to learn what's mm -hmm. going on in their community. And this was a really well, big opportunity to yeah. people. The, this is the AP has a responsibility here because so many local news organizations have just been totally gutted over the last few years. So my husband worked for well, he worked for the Boston Herald and then for the Lowell Sun. And 
both of those newspapers have way less staff than they've ever had um, these like local regional papers. And especially during the pandemic with the hit to advertising, you know, they've had to make huge cuts. He no longer works at those places. He's in radio now. But, you know, anyone who knows anything about the local news industry in particular knows that they're taking a huge number of stories straight from wire services like the AP. So when the AP comes out with a story like that, everyone's going to take it as fact because they're supposed to be the ones who are just responsible straight news that any paper can just print, you know, and it's, it's a big deal when AP gets something this wrong. That's why it was so upsetting. And even worse was that I talked to the AP reporter earlier that day before he wrote the story. He, I knew he was working on it. He reached out to me to ask for more information. I said, this is great. I trusted the AP to be more objective. Maybe they're going to do an explainer because there had been some disinformation circulating on Twitter, um, Mm -hmm. promoted by democratic political consultants, even um, the one who advises a main opponent to Governor DeSantis, Nikki Freed. So this had been going around saying that DeSantis is only promoting this because it's making his donors rich, which is nonsense. I had the facts about it. I explained to this reporter, hey, you know, that disinformation, it's inaccurate. Here's the facts. Governor DeSantis promotes it because it works. Um, The Biden administration promotes it. The Trump administration promoted it. And, you know, this isn't a political thing. This isn't the type of thing that you want to politicize because it could actually hurt people. You might make people think it doesn't work if you're implying that it's part of a corruption scheme when it's not. Now, the actual story there was just um, it was a nothing burger. It was that one of DeSantis's past donors who had donated to some of his previous campaigns is a founder of a hedge fund. And if you know anything about hedge funds, which I explained to this reporter, um, a lot of they own a lot of companies. They own positions in them. Mm-hmm. Um, this hedge fund own hundreds of companies, including Regeneron, Pfizer, Moderna, and many other pharmaceuticals. But most of the trading at these big hedge funds, it's not done by the founder himself. It's done by even algorithms. Like it's done automatically. Of course. You're, yeah, so there are like thousands of people working there. Maybe, I mean, who knows if this founder even knew about Regeneron. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it's not a story. Like he held, that hedge fund held more stocks in vaccine manufacturers than in Regeneron, but nobody would say, hey, why is Ron DeSantis promoting vaccines? Is he trying to enrich his donor? No, because that would be ridiculous. And this is equally as ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. it is not a story at all. Um, so anyway, I explained all of that um to the reporter and i sent receipts i showed them the sec filings that this hedge fund submitted to the government so you can see all the companies that hold stock and and like i was and it's a tiny percentage of the stock it's not like he's friends with the person who owns regeneron or something it's crazy no so regeneron's a big company um citadel that hedge fund whose founder donated to DeSantis, that's not even in the top 100 owners of regeneron stock Mm -hmm. like there are so many bigger companies i mean big investment banks that own stock in regeneron a lot of them donate to democrats a lot of them donate to republicans it's really just not a political story at all at least not along the lines that they're trying to make it they want they framed it that way though for a very obvious reason, it's because hit pieces on DeSantis get a lot of clicks. Unfortunately, right. they get a lot of engagement and um, they blow up on social media. I've seen we've seen it before. Remember, a few months ago when the vaccines were first coming out, right? The public's scandal, yes. quote unquote. He got accused of like 
having Publix distribute the vaccines because of donors or something when really, you know, Florida, Publix is everywhere here. Right. It's a big, people trust it. They do flu vaccines every year. So it makes sense to do COVID vaccines as well. And like, it was just a non-story, but 60 Minutes blew it up. And then it ends up backfiring on these media organizations though, when they do stuff like this, because Floridians know the truth. We see what's going on down here. We see what the governor's doing. And we know that all of these stories are just kind of, it's noise, but it's sad because the rest of the country then sees it and they think like there's something um, corrupt going on when there's not, and it could cause them to lose trust in the treatment. Right. Right. So all this happened. You talked to the reporter. You thought they were going to do a responsible story that made sense. Yeah. And now here's where you lead the wildest life, at least based (laughs) on your Twitter feed. I don't know how this stuff happens to you. But so then they come out with this story that implies that there's this like pay for play scheme where Ron DeSantis is promoting some bunk treatment to enrich a donor and you dare to call them out on it online. Yeah, I called them out because I kept seeing Floridians on Twitter and Facebook saying, oh, I'm not going to get this treatment because it'll make DeSantis rich. Oh, it costs thousands of dollars. That's not true. It's free. It's not making anyone rich. The federal government bought it, as I explained. So I started, I decided I'm going to go to the source. I called out AP and the reporter, um, but AP itself tweeted about it. So I read quote tweeted the AP and I said, drag them. Now, this is not. (laughs) This is well known what dictators do, Christina. (laughs) They say drag them on Twitter. That's what Putin does when a reporter makes him mad. He tells his Twitter friends to drag them, right? It's it's crazy. I worked in Ukraine. I worked in Georgia, the country of Georgia. Those mm -hmm. are countries where they actually have experience with Putin and Russia and dictatorship and all of this the Soviet Union. I know what it is. You know, this is not (laughs) like there have been so many Democrat politicians and just everyone uses that term. And it's not considered to be incitement to violence. But AP, of course, got upset when people started calling them out and saying your story is fake. Even PolitiFact, which is um, not exactly like a bastion (laughs) of Republican ideology. Yeah, exactly. So so they got upset that their story kind of fell apart and they were exposed as the next 60 minutes with the public's hit piece. This was the next one. And mm-hmm. so I think in order to change the narrative and distract from their failure of reporting and their hit piece, their CEO, incoming CEO, wrote an open letter to DeSantis saying that the press secretary, and they mentioned me by name. Right. Incited an online mob of online violence against our report. Right. Let me read a little bit of this because this is like the most unintentionally funny thing that's happened this year so far, I think. Um, But they wrote, Governor Ron DeSantis, I would like to call your attention to the actions of your press secretary this week that were both dangerous and in conflict with the spirit of Florida's constitutional protections for freedom of speech and the press. Using her Twitter account, Christina Pushaw threatened a journalist, retweeted other threats against that journalist, and issued a call to action against the Associated Press. This is unacceptable behavior from a government employee, especially one whose job it is to work with the media and communicate with the public. The public. After expressing dissatisfaction with a story published by AP, she retweeted it, added the words, drag them. Adding the words, drag them. That was a direct effort to activate an online mob to attack a journalist 
for doing his job. It resulted in a torrent of abusive comments directed at the reporter. Another one of her tweets threatened that if the journalist did not change the story, she would put you on blast. She gave a deadline to meet her demand. She also retweeted someone's call to light them up, referring to the AP. I mean, I've never... Surely the AP... I mean, they run offices in all those other countries, too. They know what... Hamas in Gaza, right? right? Like they, so to say that this is a threat of violence is ridiculous. For the record, I didn't see anyone threatening that reporter. If anyone did, it's obviously wrong. That would never be condoned by anyone in my office or by me. But I'm sorry, because of these inflammatory media narratives, the governor gets threats every day. I get threats and harassment constantly. I'm sure you just had to deal with a whole stupid, frivolous court thing because Rebecca Jones and her made-up world narrative decided that you violated an imaginary restraining order that yeah, she like, filed exactly. against her. The judge threw it out, like, but that, that was ridiculous. And then, you know, so when the AP talks about free speech, the First Amendment protects all of us, right? It is my First Amendment right to push back and to criticize a story that is not true. Of course. A story misleading and that can hurt Floridians. So I have that First Amendment right as well. They have their right to publish stories, um, but I can push back. Anyone can push back. Threats are unacceptable and over the line. Nothing I said was threat, obviously. I mean, you read the letter. Um, but, but I mean, putting someone on blast is not violence. <laughs> That's yeah, just saying, I'm going to call you out. And exactly. I think this is what's been so frustrating to people on the right. And like, I know it's so tried to say, like, this is how you get Trump. But this is one of the things that, you know, people really liked about Trump because the media thinks they can just lie and lie and lie and lie. And if you ever say anything back, if you ever complain, if you ever say that's not true, you're somehow the bad guy and evil and attacking the media. It's just wild to me that they can sit here and pontificate about free speech while they're demanding that you stop pointing out that their stories right, need up. actually trying to silence my speech and many, many other hundreds of people pushed back on this, if not thousands. So free speech is good for them to say whatever they want, but we're not allowed to push back. We have to be censored for pushing back. I mean, it's it just totally inconsistent with with the, even the principles that AP says that they have, objectivity and reporting the facts and um, freedom of speech. That's That's not what they're pushing here. They're pushing for the regime narrative. Of course. And so then what happened is that for some reason, immediately after they published this letter, you were removed from Twitter for 12 hours. So speaking of free speech, I mean, and did they ever tell you what tweets specifically violated any of their policies? No, they didn't. And Fox News and some other news organizations even inquired with Twitter and our digital director, my colleague in the governor's office, also contacted them. They have like a contact for government officials to ask them about official accounts. And they could not, they said that I had done something abusive, but they couldn't name any abusive tweets because I didn't tweet anything abusive. I mean, you read what I tweeted right. that they do it. The thing is though, the timing cannot be a coincidence. I mean, right after the AP letter comes out, which was by the way, days after this whole article came out and the whole thing started, then a couple hours later, Twitter suspends my account it was obviously, I mean, it looked to right. most people 
like collusion between big tech and corporate media. And that's what Governor DeSantis talks about. All Like he has been really a champion on this, on raising awareness of it and just like how dangerous it is, you know, from even with COVID stuff, like people were talking about how the virus might have leaked out of Wuhan. They got suspended from Facebook for mm-hmm. so-called conspiracy theories about the Wuhan lab leak. The media was censoring this. The big tech was censoring it. But now it's considered to be the most likely scenario of how COVID started, right? Right. And so you have to wonder, like, what else are they doing this with? I mean, how is this? Okay. Oh, and by the way, the Taliban spokespeople are on Twitter. Right. That's not abusive behavior. Yeah. They're live tweeting like actual violence. And that's not abusive to Twitter. But me saying drag them about an AP article that was false is and that ap article also was dangerous if we're going to talk about words being dangerous i mean spreading fake information about a proven life-saving covid treatment that is dangerous that does put people at risk if they believe it exactly and that's i mean that's how sort of this started it's like well we have to ban people because they're spreading bad information about vaccines and you know like i've been totally open with people that i'm for the vaccine but i think people should be able to go online and say whatever they want about it because who knows something might turn out to be true someday and you banned them from talking about it before you know before it was even a thing like you point out the the Wuhan lab thing like you point out like people point out all the time Fauci and the masks saying last year that masks don't work because they wanted to keep them for healthcare professionals all these you know different things that have happened where the government and their assessment of who's telling the truth have turned out to be wrong, you know, over time. And, you know, for them to jump from that to now spreading false stories about treatments that can actually save people's lives because it fits their narrative and gets them clicks about Ron DeSantis, who is now like the big bat because they don't have Trump to talk about anymore. That's what it is. And I almost feel like there's something even more sinister going on. It's like, some people in media and on the left in particular, they feel really strongly about vaccines. Now I promote vaccines as well. Governor DeSantis promotes it as well as we've talked about. Mm -hmm. We're pro-vaccine, everyone should have the choice, but you're encouraged to get it if you can because it's safe and effective in preventing um, severe illness from COVID. Now, with that being said, if somebody is unvaccinated for whatever reason, whether they can't get it or they don't wanna get it and they get sick, they deserve care, they deserve treatment, their life still matters. You know, we can't just say, oh, you deserve to die because you haven't been vaccinated. That's very psychopathic. And there Mm -hmm. are some people who honestly feel that way and who think that way. And they think that if you make a treatment available and you promote it a lot, then people won't get vaccinated because they'll take their chances of getting sick and get the treatment instead. And so these like control freaks, again, particularly on the left and the media, they almost think it's a moral hazard to, to have the treatment available, which I think is completely wrong for every illness. Prevention is great. I mean, prevention should be the first line, but you need treatments as well. If they're available, why why keep them from people? You know, that's immoral to me, I think. Right, exactly. And like you pointed out, this does also have a preventative component as well. So it's something that we're still learning more about, but we sh- it should be a both and approach it's another to tool problem. in the toolbox. And I think Governor DeSantis has been really clear on this. Every He gives press conferences like multiple times a day whenever we open a new site, like state-supported site in another part of Florida. Um, that's what he's been doing like mm-hmm. nonstop for the last couple of weeks. And not for nothing, but studies have been really, really good that naturally 
obtained immunity, as in by getting COVID or a combination of natural and vaccine immunity together are both really strong and robust against getting the virus in the future. So every person that does get the illness, we want them to recover because then they do help contribute to herd immunity. And that's another person that's walking around that's not spreading COVID now. That's a really good point. And so that's another reason why you might have heard about Governor DeSantis' stance against like vaccine passports Mm -hmm. and proof of immunization. That's one thing that the people who support vaccine passports don't acknowledge. There is a science behind natural immunity or infection conferred immunity it's real. There's plenty of evidence for it. But when you say you need a vaccine passport in order to go somewhere to prove that you're immune, well, then you're denying the reality that a lot of people have had COVID already and recovered. And even if they didn't get vaccinated, they still have pretty strong. Right. I mean, some some people I've seen estimates that are up to like 40% of the population in some cases might have natural immunity to COVID as well. So hi, buddy. (laughs) I know. Can you go talk to dad? Can you go talk to dad, bud? Sorry, I have four kids, so <laughs> a little crazy around here. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. It is interesting to me, too, that all this is happening with Twitter and the AP and all these things during a week when Joe Biden is also having such a bad week and when he's obviously made it publicly clear. I mean, I'm not saying that there's like collusion or something, but he has made it clear that as far as he's concerned, uh, Republican governors that, you know, aren't forcing mask mandates in school are a public enemy number one to him this week. That's I mean, he had a press conference about this on Wednesday in the middle of the whole Afghanistan thing, um, complaining about Republican governors. So it just It seems to me a little weird that this is all going on at a time when he's publicly out here saying, like, there's a problem with Republican governors. And that's the biggest problem in our country right now is Abbott and DeSantis and, you know, people that aren't following what I think the best approach is for COVID. You know, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like this is really the first time in Biden's presidency or in the campaign last year that he has really faced criticism from the press at all over this debacle in Afghanistan. I mean, it's it's horrifying. It's humiliating. There are no words to describe like what we're seeing from Afghanistan. And that is on him as the commander in chief. Right. And so he's finally facing some pushback from media, which he's definitely not used to. And he's desperately trying to shift the narrative. He knows that the media is totally with him on the forced masking of children. Um, and they're totally against DeSantis, obviously. So he's trying desperately like to change the conversation and deflect to this. And I I do think with stuff like the AP's letter to my boss asking a governor to fire me because I pushed back on a false article, um, you know, that kind of stuff, it's it's more noise to de- deflect from the real story, which is the situation in Afghanistan. It does make Biden look bad. Um, it exactly. Makes- and like I say, I don't think that like Biden's putting in a call to them, but I think it's clear when he goes out there and gives a press conference attacking Republican governors, and then they have this negative story about DeSantis that they can keep spinning, and then they can try and say, oh, the Republican governor's staff is attacking the media or something. They can keep trying to turn it into a thing just to, you know, keep the focus away from something that's bad for Biden. Because because I think that 
you know, naturally, a lot of people at these media organizations are rooting for Biden to do well and want to have something else to print other than negative stories about him. Exactly, exactly. No, I totally see that. And it, it is bizarre. Um, when things started really, really getting bad in Afghanistan um, about a week and a half ago, after, I mean, right as the fall of Kabul was about to happen, that was clear. Biden, you know, he kind of went into hiding. He mm-hmm. went on vacation. Right before that, the last call publicly that we know of that he made was to the Broward County Superintendent, Broward County School Superintendent. Now, Broward is one of the two first schools districts in Florida that defied state law and defied Governor DeSantis' executive order, but also state law and imposed forced masking on children as young as kindergarten and did not allow the parents an option to opt out. So they just blatantly defied it. What does Biden do while Kabul is about to fall to the Taliban? He's calling the Broward superintendent to say, I support you. Thanks for standing up for, you know, these these, um, educators who want kids to be safe, even though we know from all the research, there isn't any data that says that. Right. I just was reading. I mean, this is now starting speaking of things that the mainstream narrative has fallen apart on. Um, I believe it's New York Magazine published a big piece this week talking about how the CDC buried the data from their own study that showed that, um, you know, a bunch of interventions together were very effective at preventing COVID, that when they tested the null hypothesis that masks don't do anything, they weren't able to get a, they were able to get a statistically significant result for adult school staff masking making a difference in viral spread, but they weren't able to find any statistically significant evidence that student masking for children makes any difference. So, right, and that's such a good point because, I mean, you have four kids. You see, how how can you expect little kids I'm to homeschooling work? all of them. This is, we're going into the wow. second year, this year of me homeschooling them because we're up here in Massachusetts where it's, crazy town and we just you know everybody wants mask mandates on the kids so and I said last year like I just don't think this is developmentally healthy for them that was my assessment and I pulled them out of school so yeah so every right have the right to make that choice right I mean in Florida so it's great that you can homeschool you have the education obviously you have the ability to do that but every parent even those who cannot homeschool they should be able right. to choose their kids were masked or not whether they're going to a public school or wherever um there's so there's this whole media narrative actually based on something biden said that was false um biden said that desantis banned masks in school that is false everyone can choose if they want their kids to wear a mask or not i think that's only fair Mm -hmm. because it should be the decision of the parents they know their kids best um right ron desantis isn't trying to stop anybody from wearing a mask who wants to exactly and so saying that that he banned masks i mean that the media has just amplified this after biden said it even though it's provably false and we've said many times and desantis has said many times that it's false they um they stick to the narrative, you know? And so at the end of the day, it is about parents being able to make the choice for their kids. That's what Governor DeSantis stands for. I think it makes the most sense. But looking at the data, like you said, everyone should read that New York Magazine piece. Um, it's like 3,000 words long, but it's totally worth it. Right. It goes all the, it actually covers like 
all the research and it mentions that in places like Ireland, the UK, most of the European Union, actually, kids don't wear masks in school. Yes, they're following the Ron DeSantis approach, actually, strangely. These are like pretty progressive countries, you know, that American progressives think of as like very progressive. Mm -hmm. But they have studied it. The Irish CDC looked into it and they found out that there are actually a lot of possible downsides to kids wearing masks. Like you said, there's the developmental aspect, which can be a lot worse for kids with special needs. Um, but for all kids, actually, this prevent this presents possible risks. There's the social, academic, emotional, even physical aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, nobody's really tested out at a large scale how inhaling carbon dioxide and germs all day for eight hours can actually affect something. Right. Not to mention like jaw and face development. I know I was at a job. I was working nights for a little while during the pandemic where I had to wear a mask for a a while. And it's like after a while, I would start to clench my jaw. And I was just thinking like, if you make a kid do this eight hours a day, of course, it must have an effect on like jaw development and everything, because that's like a huge part of how kids faces develop is how they hold their face and and, you know, I mean, my daughter sees a dentist um, for where they like give her exercises of things to do with her mouth to like change the shape of her palate and her teeth and everything. Yeah. So it's like every kid is different. Obviously, the parents know kids best. And so parents should be making these decisions, not these elected like politicians who mm-hmm. most of these school board members do not even have kids in school. I mean, a lot of them don't, and they just, or the superintendents, they just think like, this is a way to stick it to Ron DeSantis, you know? Like this will get them on CNN, This and it has. This will get them published in the Washington Post. It has one of these superintendents had an op-ed published in the Washington Post, Hmm. you know, showing herself as a hero for force masking kids. But like, it's really just about scoring points against DeSantis and being elevated in national media for that. They're not looking at the data. Even Jake Tapper, who I disagree with on many things, and I think he's obviously liberal biased, he has even looked into this and he asked that same superintendent on his show, like, what's the data you're basing this on, like this mask mandate? And she couldn't say any. I mean, they don't have any. She couldn't answer the question. And it's so interesting to me because the way the media has framed this as this battle between Ron DeSantis and the localized school boards where they're saying it's like he's big government coming in and stopping local control. It's the exact opposite of how they're framing it in blue states up here where the school boards have been demanding that the governors step in and mandate masks across the board for the whole state because they don't want to have to be entrusted to make the decision because they're scared parents might yell at them. So for example, in Connecticut, where my husband has a radio station, this has been going on, and in Massachusetts, where we are, you know, at first, the Massachusetts governor, who's um, nominally at least a Republican, he had said, you know, I'm going to let school boards make their own choices of what to do, which is, you know, this is already, you know, what they what the media says that they want Ron DeSantis to allow school boards to do, right? And up here that was framed as a dangerous decision that puts school boards in danger because then what started happening is parents started showing up to the school boards and saying, there's not a mandate. You don't have to mandate this. And I would like you to allow my kid to come to school without a mask on. And the school boards were so afraid of this and so afraid of, you know, parents 
actually showing up at the school board and saying that they didn't like what they were doing, that they demanded and cried and complained and kicked their feet until uh, the governor of Massachusetts eventually came out and said, yes, fine, we'll mandate it across the board. All the school districts have to wear masks now. Like so, the inverse of Florida. <laughs> I know. It's like the opposite. It's an alternate mirror universe reality. But... But yeah, it's so funny because the media was saying that up here was saying that this is so terrible that the governor won't mandate masks. And then the media down in Florida is saying like, oh, this is terrible. Ron DeSantis is telling the school boards what they have to do. That's so mean of him. You know, right. when when actually the decision should just reside with parents. And I don't understand why there's even any other competing point of view with that, because you would think that would be what the schools are for is for parents to send their kids the yeah, way that they want think, to. And you would think that school boards and educators of all people would understand that every kid is different and that parents know their kids best and can make their own choices, especially with something like that that's kind of invasive. Now, um, to build on your point, though, about like Massachusetts versus Florida and this whole argument about local control and how Governor DeSantis is overreaching because he doesn't let the school board set their mask mandates or whatever. To me, that's, um, yes, you hear that a lot from the media. We hear that a lot from Democrats here. And it's a very bad faith argument. And how we know it's bad faith, it's because when Biden comes out and says that masks should be mandated everywhere, and now the Secretary of Education, the US Secretary of Education, the federal government is talking about like how they can support those school districts in Florida that are breaking state law by having mask mandates and the federal government is stepping in on their side. Come on, you were saying you're against big government, you're against government overreach, but you want the federal government to come in and force mask kids in Florida, violating state law. So either you're against government overreach or you're not, but that's a very bad faith also like cities school districts counties these local authorities in florida they're subordinate to the executive that's the governor it's not the same thing as like a federalist system like with states versus washington right. dc you know so it's it's a very um bad faith argument i've i've heard it so many times and i just feel like now anyone who's making that argument they should worry about mm -hmm. biden and his overreach well yeah and it's kind of like there's like the meme about um, you know, like, of course, I don't believe this, but if I were stupid like you and believed this about government overreach, then maybe this argument would work on me. <laughs> you know, it's they think that this is something that Republicans believe. So they're trying to, like, make an argument from a point of view that they that their imaginary Republican in their head would respond to. And it just shows they don't understand. The left doesn't understand conservatism or how conservatives think, because what Governor DeSantis is actually doing, he's using the power of the state, the power he has as governor to protect the rights of individuals and families. Right. Protecting Not the, the rights, rights of school of districts, which are these imaginary government entities yes, exactly. that or don't really have rights, per se. Like a school district doesn't have individual freedoms enumerated in the Constitution. Exactly. Or county officials that say we want to do a lockdown or we want to do a county mask mandate that's not allowed in florida that's not government overreach it's the opposite it's the governor saying look we're protecting the individual rights civil liberties of all floridians whatever county they live in the county does not take precedence over the individual you know like if the county is infringing on individual rights the state can step in to protect the individual rights to me that's very consistent that's very logical that's a mm -hmm. legitimate use 
totally legitimate use of state power. And I mean, I frankly, I think more Republican governors should be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's maybe not as possible politically in states like Massachusetts or Maryland, but in red states, for sure. Um, there's no reason not to, and they shouldn't be worried about people saying that's overreach. It is not. It's not overreach if you're protecting the rights of individuals. That's what you were elected for. Right. And I think that's one of the things that has people. I mean, I know the media thinks that that Ron DeSantis is like the worst thing to happen to them since Trump. But I think one of the reasons why Ron DeSantis does get so much positive media on the right and why people are so excited by him is he doesn't really seem to care um, when people are accusing him of government overreach or accusing him of this or that, like he doesn't see, he seems willing to do things, you know, whether or not people say that they're bad, you know, <laughs> that's, that's why he's a leader. I mean, at the end of the day, I think when he gets criticism from the left and from the media, uh, from corporate media on certain things, it actually strengthens his resolve. The opposite happens with a lot of politicians. You see, they cave to pressure. He doesn't cave. Let me give you an example. I'm sure you remember a couple of months ago, there was a big debate around the bill that he signed um, protecting women's sports. Mm -hmm. What that means is ensuring that women's and girls' sports are played by biological women and girls, um, not biological males who identify as women and girls. That has happened in some other states. I know Connecticut had a very high profile case about this where a transgender athlete um, who identified as a woman, born male, identified as a woman, um, was actually winning all the state championships in track and field because Mm -hmm. there are biological differences no matter what what gender you identify as. The gender that you're born as, um, that's still, you know, it creates biological differences. That's the reality. And so when he signed this bill, he or even before he signed the bill, it was known that he was going to sign it. I know the NCAA a couple months before they wrote a letter saying they're not going to have um, events in states where governors sign bills like that. He saw it and that actually strengthened his resolve. He's like, OK, let them. I mean, Florida is the third biggest state. It's hugely important to college sports. Let the NCAA decide what they want to do. I'm going to sign this bill. I mean, you know, he called their bluff on it, basically. And that actually, when they, when like woke corporations and woke organizations and woke media attack him, it makes him stronger in his resolve. I mean, he's, it's the opposite of changing his mind. You know, he won't cave to the mob. And I think that's what the conservative base wants to see in their leaders, Mm -hmm. not caving to the mob. He gets that. I mean, he's just internally a principled person. Um, that, you know, he knows what the right thing to do is and he doesn't let the noise like distract him from that. Right. So as why well, you're saying that you don't think the letter from AP is going to change his mind about uh, big tech and the corporate media and he's going <laughs> to kick you to the curb and <laughs> decide to, to toe the line of what to say from now on? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, he might respond to it. I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens this week. But if anything, I, I do feel very much supported because he knows what happened there. He knows what AP is about. Um, and I think, again, Republicans and conservatives in general and rational people, they want their leaders to push back. He pushes back. He stands up for the truth. I work for him. I'm a spokesperson. I should be doing the same thing. Right. And so when I see stuff like that, I'm not going to be silent. Um, You know, and when corporate media thinks that they can tell an elected official what to do 
which staff to fire, which staff to keep on, how to run their press office. Where does the AP get off thinking that's okay? Who elected them? Who asked them for their opinion? You know, who voters of Florida elected Ron DeSantis. They didn't elect the AP to govern them or to choose state staff or communication mm-hmm. strategies or whatever. So, well, and to pretend that they're somehow put upon when they're like the biggest news organization in the world. Like, stop. Right. Like, right. oh, we yeah. feel so attacked because a state-level official said a mean thing to us on Twitter. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, like you were saying, they have so much power. The words that they write go on to every local paper, every news station they just get picked up whole cloth because people trust them they're not you know facing some terrible persecution or like their words won't get out there they told their side of the story i'm sorry that people didn't believe them because they lied like and notice how in the letter they mention tweets that are not threatening or violent and they say that it's violent they don't mention what caused the backlash They don't mention what I was criticizing. They don't mention that their story and the headline in particular was completely misleading and that it could actually put people in danger. It could put people's lives at risk by spreading disinformation about a proven treatment. They totally ignore that in the letter because they know that they were wrong. They know they were wrong. They're desperately trying to shift the narrative. Twitter helped them by silencing me for, it was only 12 hours, but still that was temporary suspension only because of the AP letter, I think. I can't think of any other I mean, reason. yeah, it seems like that that's a pretty big coincidence, if not, if they randomly found some other tweet that they decided <laughs> violated some other policy. It seems if, like if that it's probably policies, connected. Yeah, if, if any of my tweets violated their policies, they should tell me what they are. I mean, they can't, so <laughs> I'm going to assume that none of them did. I mean, yeah, it would be, you would think that if, If you actually had a policy that was aimed at ending abusive behavior and you wanted people to stop doing something, that you would, when you're punishing them, tell you what you're punishing them for and which behaviors violated the rules. You know, we had a video removed from YouTube recently where we talked about masks and they said it was for medical misinformation, but they can't tell you any more than that. And I'm left sitting here thinking, I said nothing in this video that I didn't say a hundred other times in a hundred other contexts about the studies around masking children, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, what is it that actually caught their policy? If, If it's actually something you don't want me to do, then you probably have to tell me what it is that I did. Otherwise, otherwise I might keep doing it because I don't even know why I'm in trouble right now. I think they, with stuff like masks, they can't justify their moderation decisions because they don't have any data to actually back it up. Our side does. Um, We can say they don't have any. And so when they like censor videos for medical misinformation around masks, you know, they can't back that up with facts. So they that's why they don't tell you why they censored it, I think. Right. The same thing happened a few months ago to Governor DeSantis. He had a round table with some experts, I mean, actual medical doctors, and they were talking about how there's a lack of evidence for masking um, children and mask mandates and all of the stuff. It was removed from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like it was totally removed. We couldn't put it back up. That's why he uses Rumble, if you've noticed, like all yeah. his videos go up on Rumble because of after the YouTube censorship, he just, didn't want to Mm -hmm. and couldn't use YouTube anymore because he's not going to change, like, speaking the truth. Right. So we still can't post on our main YouTube channel. This podcast we run separately because it's just me. And so I can still post 
um, you know, this podcast there because it's a different show. But yeah, we've started to post on both platforms because, you know, you just don't know when YouTube is going to decide to lock you out of posting for days at a time. And like, you can't live that way, wondering when you're going to set off the censors. Right. And it's so dangerous because, like I said, you know, they they lied about or they censored the truth about Wuhan lab leak. They're probably censoring the truth about masks. That's what it looks like in school masking, um, you know, deleting or silencing any creators, deplatforming creators who have who have stated the facts and have reviewed the evidence. And now we're soon going to find out after this New York Magazine article, we're finding out that now the experts are kind of having second thoughts. And now what was considered misinformation before is soon going to be accepted, just like right. the Wuhan thing. Right. When so, they took our video down and I did the appeal process and I sent them information from the European CDC on masking kids and they were still like, yes, yeah, I appeal denied. We can't. I'm like, if you're not going to listen to the European CDC, like what else can I say? The U.S. CDC is such an outlier. The European CDC, WHO, WHO, UNICEF, all of these international organizations, they none of them recommend masking two-year-olds. The CDC is the only one that recommends masking of kids as young as two in daycares. To me, like, why? Why is this? Why has no journalist actually try to dig into this. I mean, the New York it's magazine because it's just a political signifier now. Like the more you're for masks, the more Democrat you are and the more you're against masks, the more Republican you are. And it doesn't matter anymore what the information says, because it's been so politicized that that yeah, nobody that's... can say that nobody can, you know, actually look at the data and make a serious judgment anymore. It's crazy. I mean, Clarissa Ward tweeted that she was finally on a flight out of Kabul this week and tweeted a picture of the plane with all the people packed inside it, the C-17, leaving the airport where the Taliban was trying to kill them all. And a bunch of people tweeted back at her in the replies saying, how come nobody's wearing masks on the plane? Oh Can't somebody hand them out masks? This seems really dangerous. Like, they just can't. It's like all they have now is masks so they can't like get over it they can't look at any data that that undermines it they can't look at any situation anywhere without thinking about masks more like it's just like it's a mental problem at this point i don't know what else to say about it crazy i mean thinking about people who have escaped like certain death from the taliban and the last thing on their mind is going to be wearing masks. i mean it's ridiculous but like isn't that a story for a real journalist to look into how the CDC's guidelines were made for kids, how this two-year-old rec masking recommendation came about, because it is different from other countries. Yes, I, I agree with you. It is political. It's political influence. But like, who is influencing the guidelines and how? If we had real journalists reporting on these kind of subjects, we would know potentially. But we don't because mm -hmm. they're just too invested in propping up the regime narrative. And to me, that's really sad. Right. It's um, it's crazy to me that no one's asking these questions because so much of journalism is deciding what you cover because you know for example this AP story that we started off this whole thing talking about it you know they made a decision to cover Ron DeSantis you know promoting Regeneron and they made a decision to put that story in a context with one of his donors being part of a company that holds a small position in the company that makes Regeneron it just it's 
the fact that they put that in their in their wire service story makes it news. You know, they made a decision to cover that and not to go out and look at the CDC and they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. They can't just do both. They have to, people have limited time on this earth and they have to make choices about what they're going to send their reporters to cover. And that's as much a part of the problem as the actual words that they type into the story, you know? Right. That's the thing. I mean, they could have just as easily and just as factually done a story saying that, the Biden White House is promoting vaccines and vaccine manufacturers have donated to Biden, the Pfizer and Moderna, their donors, blah, blah, Like that would have been factual too, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to write because one, it's not news. Two, mm-hmm. it's kind of a dog whistle to people who already are against vaccines and won't trust it or people who are on the fence about it. Of it's course. making them. But this is exactly, exactly what AP did with Regeneron. Mm-hmm. Why? It shouldn't have been a story. They knew it shouldn't have been. See, this is why I'm so mad. But do you have a doubt in your mind that if, say, if Trump had been elected in 2020 and had remained president and he was a big promoter of vaccines, and as we know, people like Kamala Harris and people at the, you know, all these medical officials that said that they would doubt the vaccine because Trump made it and was promoting it and it was rushed and it wasn't safe. And then if Ron DeSantis had gone out and done the exact same things he's done over the past year, regardless of who was president, and told people to go get vaccinated, AP would have printed a story that said he was promoting the vaccine because this donor is part of a company that is in Pfizer and Moderna and a bunch of liberals would believe it and then not get vaccinated. Exactly. That is such a good point. It's it's just so ridiculous to politicize any of this, but they don't care. They know it's ridiculous. That's what's frustrating. They know exactly what they're doing. This isn't a matter of like being naive and ignorant, not having the full information. They had the full information when they did this mm-hmm. and they did it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's very frustrating. Another thing, I know we're kind of running out of time, yeah. but one thing, you've probably heard about the booster shots that mm-hmm. um, Biden administration has said there's going to be booster shots for people who are fully vaccinated and you should get them. I'm just kind of surprised this wasn't controversial because those have not been fully approved by the FDA yet. I mean, the right, FDA, there's no study on that. Yeah, They need to go through a review process. They will go through this process. They will mm-hmm. have the data on it, but that hasn't happened yet. Imagine if the Trump administration had come out and said, oh, you guys need to get these vaccines. Um, they're going to be approved. They're not approved yet. You need to get them, though. That would be political pressure on the FDA. That would be political pressure on the approvals process. That would be a scandal. Why isn't it a scandal when Biden does it? Instead, I have reporters asking me, Christina, why isn't Governor DeSantis promoting the boosters? I'm like, you guys, back up. The boosters are not approved for anyone except severely immune compromised people, which is a very small group and it's specifically defined. You and I are not recommended to go get boosters. And the journalists then are like, no, experts said that we are. Which experts? The Biden administration. Yeah. Where's the data that shows that boosters are providing significant long-term immunity it, more than, you know, natural immunity? I believe, actually, that uh, that I had COVID in January of last year because I got pneumonia and I've never been that sick in my life. And it was before, like, COVID was a thing. Um, but so I don't really know, but I think I probably did have COVID yeah. because it seems likely to me. But Um, You know, so then I got the vaccine anyway. So, you know, but there is some evidence that the vaccines combined with natural immunity confers 
a, a much stronger antibody response. Yeah. We don't know if that response might not be better than getting a booster shot. We don't know. We know there's like an antibody spike up after we get the booster shot, but long-term immunity doesn't necessarily rely on antibody response. It relies on T and B cell immunity as well. So, I mean, there's just a lot we don't know. And hey, I'm a big fan of freedom of choice and I already know people who have run out and gotten third shots. So like, good for them. <laughs> You know, go for it. It, It's a free country. If you've read the data and you feel good about it and you want to get a third shot, then that's fine. But I just, you know, because my husband said to me and he has like a pre-existing condition or two and he was like, should I go get another shot? And I said, like, honestly, I have not seen data that tells me that you need to go get a shot yet. yet. It hasn't been studied yet. And it will be probably in the next couple Mm -hmm. of months. But there's no reason to, for the Biden administration to put the cart before the horse. And then the media just immediately takes their side, does not research it, takes the Biden administration's word for it and goes and demands, why isn't Governor DeSantis promoting the boosters? Because there's no data. How can a governor come out and endorse something that the FDA has not endorsed yet? Like Exactly. I don't even know, frankly, like how they're how they're doing this with no real approval on it because as far as i know i don't think doctors are even supposed to off-label prescribe things without full fda approval rather than eua approval so i don't really even understand like why this is happening without a real fda review process strange i think i mean if 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 I can put my tinfoil hat on, I think the Biden administration knows that lockdowns and mask mandates don't work. They mm-hmm. know that Florida experienced plateauing and going down. Now, but we experienced a bad COVID surge from Delta. Um, so is Texas. So is Hawaii. So is Oregon. But soon, all those northern states like Michigan and New York and New Jersey, which had all of the... Course. They are going to get the same thing because Delta is very transmissible. So they're going to have the same explosion of cases in the winter. Of just course like we are, because we don't have that much higher a vaccinated population. I mean, a, a tiny bit higher, but not that much higher. And, you know, we... We saw this happen last year, too, where the northeastern states got very self-congratulatory in the summer when the southern states had a surge. And they went around saying that it was because Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and Doug Ducey hadn't locked their states and see what happens. And this is why we know that lockdowns work, because we're good and we wear masks and the stupid people down in Florida aren't doing it. And then... We had a surge in the winter and it was like, you know, Governor Whitmer, Governor Whitmer came out and was like, it's people from Florida who came here and made us get it, even though we're good and we're locked down. And meanwhile, she's traveling to and from Florida. It's just wild to me, like how the convoluted logic of how like somebody not wearing a mask in Florida can magically make there be a surge in Michigan. But, you know, it's like such a single-minded worldview that like this stuff that we're doing has to work and it makes me feel like a good person so there must be some explanation other than the obvious that this thing is just seasonal and it's going to spike up when it spikes up that's the thing and when because if they admit that's this is one reason why they're so against DeSantis because Florida is the control group right Mm -hmm. so if Florida shows pretty much the same patterns, actually less deaths than a lot of these lockdown states, then it proves that the lockdowns were for nothing. The mask mandates were for nothing. People sacrificed a lot and businesses were destroyed and lives were destroyed and kids were out of school for a year for nothing. And the governors and Democrats in those states cannot deal with that. Like they they just they just can't, can't admit their- that they were wrong. They can't yeah, admit exactly. that they made a mistake. And 
you such know, a big mistake. It's a mistake that we don't even know what the implications of it are yet, but we know that it's really bad. And so that's why they want Florida to fail. They want Florida to have the highest death rate. They want Florida. It's so sad to say this, but they don't want Regeneron to work. They don't want people to get this treatment. Mm -hmm. They don't want people. I mean, they really kind of, I feel like they, the media is just cheering on like these negative stories about Florida. They're not saying anything about Hawaii, by the way. Hawaii is experiencing record-breaking hospitalizations. It's very sad. They had a lockdown mm -hmm. and mask mandate. Nobody says anything about it. And right? a very high vaccination rate, too. Yeah. Yes, higher than Florida's. Although Florida's is pretty high. I mean, I think we're mm -hmm. like number 20 in the country. Yeah, or but, it, but and all these vaccination rates are, you know, there, there are states that are higher and lower, obviously, but they're not that disparate. Everybody's like right yes. in a similar range. Right, exactly, exactly. So thinking that they are going to be okay because they're good, well, that doesn't that is a misunderstanding of how viruses work. Viruses don't care if you're doing the right things or what. I mean, it's a virus. It's the problem is like imputing like this morality onto it. You're not immoral or a bad person if you get sick. Only, you know, with COVID, a lot of people have kind of internalized that. Or like if you get sick and you're not vaccinated, like you don't deserve a hospital. But this is disgusting. But this has mm -hmm. become like a mainstream view for a lot of like established. Right. Um, or, you know, when our states went back to mask mandates recently, this is what people who are vaccinated said. They were like, I'm so mad that the unvaccinated people are making us go back to mask mandates. And I was like, nobody unvaccinated has made me put on a mask. I don't know who you're talking to, but most unvaccinated people that I know don't care if I wear a mask or not. Like, I don't, nobody's making you put on a mask except your own government. So why don't you talk to them? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's a way to divide people, this kind of whole narrative. And um, the, I mean, I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago at a press conference, this journalist was asking Governor DeSantis, like, there are two kids on ventilators in Jacksonville at this hospital. And if they had worn masks, like, do you think they could have prevented this horrible outcome from COVID? And he said, are you really blaming kids? who are sick, who are hospitalized with COVID for not wearing masks. Like that is despicable. That's absolutely despicable. This has become normalized. And this is like the narrative that the media thinks is normal to push. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault. It's not kids' fault. It's not anyone's fault if they get sick. It happens, unfortunately. It happened before COVID too. Um, of course, we want to do all we can to prevent it, but with proven measures, not with just whatever. Um, but just we need to get rid of this whole moralization. And almost it's almost like a cult like yeah around COVID and these measures which don't work mm -hmm. yeah it's I mean so I don't know if you're religious or not but it reminds me of the bible story in the gospels of um, people bringing the man who's born blind to Jesus and saying so why is why did this guy uh why was he born blind did he yeah. sin or did his parents sin and Jesus is like neither basically <laughs> says like sometimes this stuff just happens he says you know it's to show the glory of god but like you know people have a lot of trouble accepting that because our minds do work that way like we want to know why bad stuff happens sometimes so you know we yeah. want to know like well who screwed up whose fault is this who can i blame for this problem that happened but you know unfortunately like you said viruses don't necessarily work that way they don't know who's a good person and who's not they just are doing their thing so yeah it's it's unfortunate that it's gotten so divisive and politicized but 
you know, I hope that if people just have conversations and think about these things a little bit that we can get past some of this. So I appreciate your coming on with me and talking to me about all this stuff. It's been really interesting. Happy to talk. I mean, obviously, as you know, um, it's a crazy schedule here, but I, but whatever I have time, I'd love to come back and talk more. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, um, and hopefully we'll talk more soon, but keep doing the good work that you're doing and pushing back against the media. And uh, like I said, everybody follow Christina on Twitter. Is your Twitter handle just your name? I don't remember. First and last name. Yep. So Christina Pushaw on Twitter. I'm Alice Shattuck on Twitter. And this podcast has been the 1570 Project. I'm also on the Burn Barrel podcast with my husband, Tom Shattuck. You can check that out as well. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. Clouds rolled in and I said Must have brought the rain from Boston But you looked at me and I felt